Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. History is a lot like starting a new relationship. If your new mate glorifies themselves and puts all the blame on their exes for the failed relationships, that's a red flag to me. No one is ever completely without blame. And like historical figures, if all you hear are good things, you can usually count on there being some underlying rot hidden somewhere. Violence is defined as behavior involving physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. Even when someone takes a personal stance against violence, there are still many other ways to cause harm. While he certainly isn't the worst person we've covered, Mohandas Gandhi wasn't a saint either, even though there are many who say otherwise. He did many things to help others during his lifetime, but we know history is never so black and white. Our lesson today is about the life of Gandhi and the rotten things he did and said that still cause strife to this day. I'm sure this will upset some, but I refuse to live with my head buried in the sand. Did you know cats pee in there? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the most rotten one of all? Hi, hello, and howdy, my darlings. Thank you for joining me on this lesson of Rotten to the Core. It is I, your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters. And welcome to the History Podcast about rotten people, where we attempt to learn a lesson or two from them that can help us in our current lives. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to my lair. I hope you all have had a stress-free holiday season and have enjoyed all the love and light that often comes around this time of year. However, it can be difficult when you're bombarded by people in every store when you just want to buy some dang coffee creamer. I have struggled with my usual holiday cheeriness since my grandma transitioned into spirit two years ago. I still do the things I cherish most, but now they're just filled with tears as I think about her teaching them to me. Even as simple as our annual tradition of getting chocolate-covered cherries in our stockings has now turned into me not even being able to look at them in the stores. To anyone listening to this, going through a loss of their own, you're not alone. And my heart does go out to you. I know that with time, joy will return to us, and don't feel guilty for not being able to do a usual tradition. Sometimes the bare minimum is all we can do, and that's quite all right. 
Mohandas Gandhi was born on October 2, 1869 at Porbandar in the present-day Indian state of Gujarat. His dad was the chief minister of the Porbandar state of British India. His mother was the fourth wife. And having been born in a Hindu family, Gandhi strictly followed vegetarianism and fasting as a means of self-purification as well as nonviolence. His mother was completely absorbed in religion. She didn't care much for finery or jewelry and divided her time between her home and her temple. The family was pretty well off. Gandhi wasn't exceptional in school. One of the reports rated him as good at English, fair in arithmetic, and weak in geography. His conduct very good, but bad handwriting. As a kid, he loved going on long, solitary walks when he was not nursing his ailing father, who died shortly after, or when he wasn't helping his mother with her household chores. Gandhi matured quickly, as was common at that time. At only the age of 13, he married his wife, Kasturba, who was also 13. That doesn't make it any better, but I'm at least glad they were both 13. Their first son died shortly after birth when the couple were both 15, but they would go on to have four sons together. Around the age of 19, Gandhi moved to London to study law at the Inner Temple. While there, he discovered a lot of racism towards him. Several hotels even refused to house him due to his race, even though he had enough money. Even with all the racism and the filth of the city, Gandhi considered it a land of philosophers and poets in the very center of civilization. Upon returning to India in mid-1891, he discovered that his mother had died while he was away. He then set up his first law practice in Bombay, but it was not successful. He soon accepted a position with an Indian firm that sent him to its office in South Africa. He went along with his wife and their four children, and they lived there for nearly 20 years. It is said that Gandhi was appalled by the discrimination he experienced as an Indian immigrant in South Africa. When a European magistrate in Durban asked him to remove his turban, he refused and left the courtroom. Another incident, while on a train voyage, he was thrown out of his first-class railway compartment and beaten up by a white stagecoach driver after refusing to give up his seat for a European passenger. In 1903, while in South Africa, he wrote that white people there should be the predominating race. He also said black people are troublesome, very dirty, and live like animals. The next year, he wrote to a health officer in Johannesburg that the council must withdraw a racial term for black people that starts with K from an unsanitary slum called the Cooley Location, where a large number of Africans lived alongside Indians. About the mixing of the K-word slur with the Indians, I must confess I feel most strongly. When a plague hit Durban in 1905, Gandhi wrote that the problem would persist as long as Indians and Africans were being 
herded together indiscriminately at the hospital. There are some South Africans who believe the man who led India to independence worked with the British colonial government to promote racial segregation. Even as far as demanding statues of him removed as recently as 2018. Gandhi to them, I think, is like the racist Confederate slave owners who have been glorified here in America in statue form. Yes, it's history, but that doesn't mean they deserve glory or their own statues. Gandhi's biographer and grandson says the younger Gandhi, he arrived in South Africa as a 24-year-old briefless lawyer, was undoubtedly, at times, ignorant and prejudiced about South African black people. He argues that Gandhi was too an imperfect human being, but the imperfect Gandhi was more radical and progressive than most contemporary compatriots. There is evidence that Gandhi mended some of his racist ways as he aged, but the damage had already been done. Well, we all know about World War II and Hitler's atrocities towards humanity. This is where I disagree with Gandhi's whole nonviolent stance. There is only one way to handle a rabid animal like Hitler. Gandhi wrote to Hitler, calling him my friend. Which looks bad, but... I found that he referred to everyone as a friend. It didn't mean that they were besties, although with what Gandhi wrote to all Britons, you might think they were. Here are a few lines from the letter. I want you to fight Nazism without arms. I would like you to lay down the arms you have as being useless for saving you or humanity. You will invite Herr Hitler and Signor Mussolini to take what they want of the countries you call your possessions. Let them take possessions of your beautiful island, with your many beautiful buildings. You will give all these, but neither your souls nor your minds. If these gentlemen choose to occupy your homes, you will vacate them. If they do not give you free passage out, you will allow yourself, man, woman, and child, to be slaughtered, but you will refuse to owe allegiance to them, urging them to use their minds instead of their weapons and give up to Hitler. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm as nonviolent as the next person. I've never been in a fight or even hit anyone. And this may be the American in me, but I'll be damned before I would give my possessions and home to someone especially Hitler. I was appalled that Gandhi would even write such a letter, let alone send it. Gandhi is still revered worldwide, not only for helping liberate the Indian subcontinent from British imperialism, but for his nonviolent protest as well. He organized Indian resistance, fought anti-Indian legislation in courts, and led large protests against the colonial government. Along the way, he developed a public persona and a philosophy of truth-focused, non-violent, non-cooperation he called Satyagraha. But Gandhi was also a Puritan and a misogynist who helped ensure that India remains one of the most sexually repressed nations on earth. And by and large, a horrible place to be born female. 
Even George Orwell, in his 1949 essay, Reflections on Gandhi, said that saints should always be judged guilty until they are proven innocent. Gandhi despised his own sexual desires and despised sex in any context except for procreation. He took a vow of celibacy at the age of 38 after he had been married since he was 13 and had four children. Honestly, what's the point by then? He preached that the failure to control carnal urges led to complaints, including constipation. He believed that sex was bad for the health of the individual and that sexual freedom would lead Indians to failure as a people. No wonder his wife is frowning in all of her photos. I don't even talk to a man if he won't eat the booty. There are some that claim Gandhi viewed women as equal to men, pointing to his inclusion of women in India's independent struggle. He celebrated nonviolent protest as a feminine principle, neutralizing the masculine brutality of the British rule. Those sexual hang-ups caused him to have horribly sexist views. He viewed the female body as warped. As accounted by Rita Banerjee in her book Sex and Power, he believed menstruation was a manifestation of the distortion of a woman's soul by her sexuality. You know, I find it so confusing that I, as a queer person who has never had any type of sexual contact with a female, fight for the rights of women and their rights to have an orgasm more than most hetero men. Can you believe a lot of them don't even think the female orgasm is real? Madness. During Gandhi's time in South Africa, he discovered a male youth had been harassing two of his female followers. Gandhi responded by personally cutting the girl's hair off to ensure the sinner's eye was sterilized. He later boasted of the incident in his writings, pushing the message to all Indians that women should carry responsibility for sexual attacks upon them. Sounds a lot like the direction Florida and Texas are going right about now. Gandhi believed that Indian women who were raped lost their value as human beings. He argued that fathers could be justified in killing daughters who had been sexually assaulted for the sake of family and community honor, which I find absolutely disgusting. That means that if someone's daughter is sexually attacked, that their father should have the right to murder them to save himself and the family from any type of dishonor. He moderated his views towards the end of his life, but the damage was done, and the legacy lingers in every present-day Indian press reports of a rape victim who commits suicide out of shame. Gandhi also waged war against contraceptives, labeling Indian women who use them as whores. His behavior around females would eventually become very off-putting. He took to sleeping with naked young women, including his own great-niece, in order to test his commitment to celibacy. By that point, he was in his 70s, and they were mostly teenagers. 
It is said that intercourse never occurred, but there's still a lot an old naked man can do to a young girl that would leave her psychologically scarred for life. Ugh. When he began that practice, he did lose several followers. Gandhi cemented the attitude that women were simply creatures that could bring either pride or shame to the men who owned them. India finds itself towards the very bottom of the gender equality index. In the words of the Indian writer Kushwat Singh, nine-tenths of the violence and unhappiness in this country derives from sexual repression. Gandhi isn't the only one to blame for India's deeply problematic attitudes to sex and female sexuality, but he played a large part in it. And he fought and succeeded in ensuring that the country would never experience sexual freedom while his legacy lingered. His genius was to realize the great power of nonviolent political revolution. But the violence of his thoughts towards women have contributed to countless honor killings and immeasurable sufferings. On January 30, 1938, Gandhi was on his way to an evening prayer meeting in Delhi, where he was assassinated by a Hindu fanatic who is enraged by Gandhi's efforts to negotiate with Jinnah and other Muslims. Did Gandhi do good things for the people of India? Yeah, he helped give them their freedom from the British colonial white devils. But he was most assuredly not the saint that he is portrayed as. We have learned by now that the more positive a person from history is portrayed, that there is most likely something rotten that has been hidden. I learned in our lesson today that sometimes violence is the answer, especially when you're up against someone like Hitler. I wish we lived in a world where nothing required violence, but sadly, that's not our reality. I also learned that women everywhere, especially in India, deserve respect and to be seen as equal to their male counterparts. Even better if you ask me. I love men, but only for a few hours. A man? In my house? I don't think so. I appreciate each and every one of you for supporting Rotten to the Core. And I hope you enjoyed our lesson today and learning some of the rotten truth about Gandhi. Until next week, be happy, find peace, and don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rotten to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. Both of those are at It's Rotten to the Core. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., which I do with my big brother, Shane. And we have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where we will interact and have a plethora of fun, foul, mysterious, rotten, and historical things a-brewing. Join us there and Have a great week ahead, everyone. Happy Holidays. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.